tour all night is supported by listeners like you. To find out how you can help, head over to patreon.com slash songsoftoryamos. There you'll see what exciting rewards we're offering for your support. Once again, that's patreon.com slash songsoftoryamos to help us continue to make high-quality and tourytainment for you. Hey everybody, the European 2023 tour is just around the corner and we want to talk about it. Tori's added some exciting new cities to the mix and just for fun, she shuffled the order of the old cities. So now we got to replan, regroup, and yes, re-record. It's a brand new year, a brand new season, and a brand new era of tour all night. From ocean to ocean, to ocean to ocean too, we're your guide to everything tour. This episode is an edited version of the episode we put out last year when we talked to Holly Rayburn in 2021 about the 2022 show. But it's all relevant again in 2023, mostly. Since we did this interview, I had the wonderful opportunity to finally really meet Holly and travel with her a little bit, and she's amazing. Honestly, Holly, I can't wait to see you again. So thank you to her for doing this. Thank you to you for listening to the show. And take it away, us from a former life. Solidarity. So I'm like, okay. I love that. I know. That's, that's a real friend. Yeah. That's magic. So that's like, great. And she will end up being a fan. Yeah. They always do. Delighted to have Holly Rayburn on the show. Finally, after, I guess, a year or more of wanting you on the show. How are you, Holly? I'm very well, thank you. I'm sitting here in London, pouring with rain, and uh, yeah, it's pitch black outside and four o'clock in the afternoon. So, uh, so hello from London. <laughs> Is this what we can expect? Just pouring rain and pitch blackness? I hope not. Uh, hopefully by February and March, it'll be slightly nicer. But um, yeah, for today, I'm plunged into darkness. Well, we are here to talk about London specifically, but first I want to hear all about you. I want to hear your Tory story. I know you've toured a lot. I want to hear the show count. I want to hear everything. Okay, well, how I got into Tory in the first place, I was lucky to grow up in a house that looked and sounded like a record store. Both my parents were ardent gig-goers and music obsessives. My dad's number one love was and still is Kate Bush. He loves Kate how we love Tory. He's a tenacical Kate fan. So I grew up listening to Kate as a young child. And Kate used to go into my mum's shop. She owned a vintage clothes store in London. And Kate lived locally and she was often coming in the shop. So when Tori came out, when she was being billed as the next Kate Bush, our ears were kind of up and listening like, who is this? Like she's being compared to Kate. Was your dad offended? She's no Kate Bush. (laughs) My dad loves Tori. Uh, we both agree that they are nothing like each other. I mean, you can find similarities, I suppose, if you want to. But, you know, they're both very distinctly unique to me. But when Tori was starting, you couldn't go anywhere out the music press and not see her name next to Kate's name. So growing up in a house of Kate fans, we couldn't miss the name Tori anywhere. And we loved her. Uh, so my cousin took me to see Tori do two nights. I mean, I was 11 years old at the time. She did two nights at the Shaw Theatre. I remember she covered the Stones and Joni Mitchell and Led Zeppelin, and she did me in the gun. Because I was only 11, kind of the my take-home memories at the time were the cover songs, because I already knew them and I already loved them, because I was just a music... Oh, I mean, to say I'm a music obsessive is just not enough. Like, it's my blood and life. This was 92? Yeah, I was 11, so 92. 
And she did these two shows back to back. And my mum and dad let my cousin take me because I wanted to go and see the lady that was the next Kate Bush. (laughs) So that's how I got there. My mum and dad let my cousin take me. And it was the covers that got me in. Because I think when an artist is new to you, the the recognition of songs, it familiarises you with their voice. So when I was watching the Zeppelin and Joni and Stones, I'm like, who is this singer? This is just... Something happened that just never undid, and that's why I'm talking to you now so many years later, because Mm -hmm. it was just, it was so deeply profound. I mean, it just hit me like a ton of bricks, her voice. It was life-changing, literally life-changing. The Me and the Gun she did, I'll never forget that as long as I live. I'm sitting there 11 years old listening to Me and the Gun thinking, what is this? And it was chilling. From then on, I was just hooked. And I also read at one point that Neil Gaiman was in the audience at that Shaw Theatre show. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I wouldn't have had any idea who that was. Sorry, Neil. I, I love you now, <laughs> but I didn't know who you were there. Does this sound familiar? I think I found that show. This must be January 30th, 1992 at the Shaw Theatre because all the covers that you mentioned check out. Does this set list sound familiar? Little Earthquakes, Crucify, Silent All These Years, Whole Lot of Love Into Thank You. That's it, Whole Lot of Love, Thank You. Yeah, I remember it like yesterday. I remember those stone covers. It was, yes. Precious Things, Happy Phantom, Girl, Leather, Sentimental Journey, Upside Down, Me and a Gun Winter. Encore 1 was A Case of You, China. Encore 2 was Mother and Angie. I mean, what I would do to hear that set now. Good God. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, and that rings true with the covers that I remember because there are so many of them in that set. And it was really, really the the cover versions that pulled me in because it was listening to the familiarity of those songs where I could really just zone out and listen to her voice because I knew the words. I mean, bear in mind I was only 11, so that's what I would really connect with and understand. You go with familiarity, I suppose, and then after that, Little Earthquakes came out and I stuck with her and I'm still here hundreds of shows later. How many shows exactly do you know? hundred. I don't know. I've tried to work it out so many times and I just I, I lose count or too many hours pass trying to work it out, but it's multiple hundreds. Do you have parameters like where you tour? Do you only like tour Europe or do you come to the US? Like what is your I have been to the US, I've been to Canada. It's mainly every UK show, every EU show pretty much. You know, there's been some tours where it's I haven't been to Italy, for example, or just one or two that I've missed, but Well, your goal is to find out what show, by the time we get to the 11th and 12th of March, 2022, in London at the Palladium, we need to know what that show count is for you. Hello, present me here. Those London shows are amazing. But the new London show is actually Monday, April 3rd, 2023. And that one's not at the Palladium. It's going to be at the Royal Albert Hall. But Holly, I still want to know that show count. Okay, I can do that. It's definitely multiple hundreds. It's definitely, definitely in the hundreds. I know that much, but it's... Okay, I will find out. I will give you that number at the Palladium. Okay, can't wait. Okay, there's a day off before and a day off after the London show, which means she loves London. Obviously, she's got business to do there, press to do, but it means like she wants to spend some time there, right? I think so. Okay, so give us the general vibes of the area and three things you love about London. I mean, three things I love about London. I mean, the the, the main thing that I love about London is the music scene. I mean, as a music lover and a massive gig goer, I go to gigs most nights. And that's mainly what I love about London. Everyone plays here. There's always someone. I don't even mean just going to see, you know, you massive rock bands or big names. Just walking into a bar or a pub, there'll be a band on. It's just such a vibrant, brilliant place place for music any genre any night of the week daytime lunchtime if you want live music there'll be some and that's what's so exciting about London it's really driven by its music art theatre scene and it's fantastic 
I'm looking at your notes here in our document. You say the day before, since it is a day off, we should see Neil Gaiman's play The Ocean at the End of the Lane at the National Theater, which I'm trying to book some time currently in the National Theater in one of their screening rooms to see The Light Princess. Yes. You can do that there. You can see it for free. Like you just go in their screening room. You just have to book the time. Yes, I believe you can. I mean, I've, I saw The Light Princess, I think, 27 times. Um, wow. <laughs> <laughs> which was uh, a lot. But when you live down the road and they sell £9 day tickets, it's really mm. hard to think, okay, the Light Prince is, is on tonight. Yeah. Do I stay in and watch TV mm. or do I go and see it? I support that. As a theatre director myself, Like this is something that will never happen again. That production is locked in time. So I'm glad you saw it 27 times. <laughs> and I saw it once. I did, in fact, book time at the National Theatre with Priya. And we went into one of the screening rooms. We watched it. It was super easy to book. And it's you sit basically at a computer with headphones and you watch The Light Princess. So if you didn't get a chance to do that last year, there is still a day off before and still a day off after this coming London show. So I would recommend doing that if you've never gotten a chance to see it. Of course, it's a video recording, so you don't get the full effect. But still, it's better than nothing. And at least you can talk about it. At least we can discuss it. And while the ocean at the end of the lane has long since closed, the National Theatre will have two shows running at that time. They'll have Phaedra in the Lydleton Theatre and also Dancing at Lunasa at the Olivier Theatre. But it was just absolutely spellbinding and I could watch that every night of my life, even if it wasn't Tori, even if it had nothing to do with her. It was just the most visually beautiful, mm. choreographed, acted. It was, I just loved it. I love it like I do Tori's own albums. I'm a really massive fan of The Light Princess and uh, I think people know me for that because uh, I really, really love it a lot and I saw it so often. But if you can book to see that, you absolutely have to. Mm -hmm. And it's free. You, that's what they do there. They let you go into a screening room and see their whole archive, not just that show, but their whole archive. Yeah, it's a real privilege they do that. And if you can be in London and get that booked and see it, then do. I'm looking at your gigs. You want a Japanese techno night on a Wednesday? I'm sure we will have that going on. You want a gospel choir singing metal covers? Yes, please. Yep, London's got it all. You name it, we will find it. This is what I'm saying. I mean, you want three things I love about London, but just let one, two, three be the music scene, yeah. the music scene, and the music yeah. scene, <laughs> because that really is all I know about. <laughs> I don't really know a life outside of music. You have everything in this city every night of the week. It's just fantastic. It's always exciting. So what's the gay scene like in London? <laughs> what's gay scene like in London? Um, it's really good. It's the same as any big city. You've got your main clubs who kind of have everyone in. It depends what you want to be at. You know, it, it's so varied and it, it's so diverse. It depends what your thing is, if you know what I mean. If mm -hmm. you want to be dancing to Kylie until 5 a.m., go to GIY. If you want drag or cabaret, I'd say go to the Royal Vauxhall Tavern or Halfway to Heaven, which is a brilliant, brilliant place. There's also a, a pub called Players, which is really well known for its musical theatre scene. Um, when the shows finish in London, you get a lot of the performers and the actors go there and they have a grand white piano in the back bar. And it's kind of like open mic on a piano. Everyone can just play the piano and have piano bar. So that's a great place for us to all go and all have a leather sing song because that's everyone's favorite to, to have, have a sing along with. Right. So we should all go there. Players. 
Players. It's called Players. Love it. It's great. And there's also my favourite, my regular pub, but it closes at 11. So we won't be able to go on a show night called the Retro Bar, which is down a little alleyway in Chang Cross Road. Um, and they, it's not my favourite because they have a framed photo of Tori on the wall. I promise, but it helps. And I've been known to hear Tori played in there. It's a, it's a tiny, tiny pub, but the reason I love it is the music they play and how friendly it is and how welcoming it is and how inclusive it is. So that's the retro bar, which I fully, fully recommend, but it's tiny and they do reserve tables. So we'd have to reserve a table if we're all going to go in there. The whole town's gay. <laughs> that's what I was just going to say. London's 33 boroughs and it's enormous. We're brimming with 10 million people in this city. Mm. So... Where you find the student life, the nightlife in each borough, you're going to find your gay bar. So they they, they, they cover the city. They're everywhere. But the main district, the place where you, you get the rainbows above every pub door, that's Soho. And it's got quite a, a famous, well-known LGBT history. They do LGBT history walking tours there. It's known for the theatre, the cabaret, the late night clubs. It, it's where GAY is. It's definitely Soho where you want to go out for a LGBT night out. But depending on what your scene is, some places are more male orientated, some places are more mixed, some places are more queer and alternative culture, some are more mainstream. So it really depends what you want, but it covers everything and for everybody. And that's the most important thing. I found this note that you put in the document to be very strange. You said that you're strangely not a 24 hour town. Like I assumed London was open all night. It was like New York City. I mean, having been to New York, you really find out what a 24-hour city is yeah. and how un-24-hour London is once you've been to New York. You're never going to get stuck anywhere in London. There'll always be a shop open. There'll always be a bus you can get on. You're never going to not be able to find food or drink or transport home. So it's not not 24-hour in the sense it shuts down and everyone stra- is stranded and turns into a pumpkin at 11 p.m. and just has to wait for the sun to rise to be able to move again. But it's not 24 hour like New York is. The pubs have curfews at 11 o'clock. A lot of the club nights, they go to two. GAY is open to, I think, four and five on Fridays to Mondays. I'd need to double check that. Uh, there are places which are extra late opening hours, like to early morning, but it's not standard. So London's weird. It's kind of old fashioned and rickety and everything closes. But at the same time, because it's got everything, you'll always find something that's late night and opening. So it's not strictly 24 hours. If you're, if you're staying in London, I recommend that you, you stay, um, it depends what you want to do, but in the kind of Waterloo, Southwark, Bermondsey areas, I think are better. Because if you stay in zone one, it's going to be really ridiculously expensive. So if you just stay an extra 10, 15 minute walk out of zone one, the prices massively go down, but you're actually in, you're still in a really interesting, lovely area. So I'd recommend staying or looking around the South Bank, Waterloo area. Like Southwark, Waterloo, you say? Yes, Southwark, Bermondsey, Waterloo, anywhere near the South Bank, which is one of the nicest parts of London. It happens to be one of my favourites as well. Um, But from there... You've got all the bridges over the river to get you everywhere. You've got your Waterloo tube station. You've got the buses. You can walk, but it's cheaper and more interesting and less touristy than being stuck in zone one with just flagship stores around you. And it's a little less interesting. 
love this. Okay, so the official currency in all of England is the British pound sterling. And no euros anywhere. Don't even bring that no, trash no, in no our country. No euros. If, if, if you give people here a euro, they won't understand what it is. And depending <laughs> on whose hands you give it to, they'll rip it up and say, fuck the EU. So, which I do not agree with. Brexit was terrible. Yeah. And, <laughs> yes. and London is a very, very liberal, left-wing, progressive city. And we don't represent the rest of the UK at all. But no, nowhere would take euros at all. People won't understand what they are or what you're doing with them in London at all. Tell us more about the tipping culture. We don't really have a tipping culture as such. Well, not not in comparison to how you do in the States, where you very much know how to tip and what percentage you're meant to be giving and how it's expected. We don't have that culture as such in the UK. Um, usually, uh, if you're having a sit-down meal somewhere or you're in a particularly large group and you've got a, a, a dedicated server, it's kind of courtesy to give 10%. If you've got a large group, I'd personally give more because you've got one server and it can be kind of stressful. I was yeah. a waitress one summer. You don't, you don't want 10% after you've just served 50 people. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, they will put it on the card machine. Uh, so when you go to pay, it will say on the screen of the card machine, do you want to add a 10% service? charge and then you can press yes or no so it's up to you really if you press yes or no depends how nice your waitress was and how nice that club sandwich was and if you want to kill her we're recording this at eight in the morning on a tuesday where yesterday monday i had the day off of work and i got an edition of light divided tattoo and then proceeded to drink with my friend the whole rest of the night where i was tipping like 50 percent, sometimes even like more so (laughs) when i get a little inebriated get ready for a tip people (laughs) oh i give people my pin number when i'm drunk i'm a nightmare (laughs) I mean, this this is probably not the information that should go out on podcast, is it? That's somehow worse. Hey, Holly, Holly, drink these 10 tequilas and I'll take your PIN number for your credit card. But um, yeah, so hi, everyone. Hi. If I try and give you my PIN number, please refuse it. (laughs) Yeah, Um, please. Yeah, that's my tipping culture. The original schedule had us going from Brussels to London, but now the new schedule has us going from London to Brussels. So for this next bit, some of this information actually still applies. What's your preferred method of travel and how are you getting from Brussels to London? We're getting on the Eurostar from Brussels to London. And in all honesty, it's the only way that I would ever go from Brussels to London. The Eurostar is so convenient and usually fairly priced and it comes into King's Cross. I would never fly that journey just because of how convenient it is when you get off that train and you're in central London and you come into the train station, King's Cross, St Pancras, where you've got all the tube lines. So you can be anywhere really, really quickly. If you fly, you're going into Heathrow or Gatwick and then you need to come into the city from them and it can be quite lengthy. But there's nothing wrong with flying. It's just that the Eurostar, if you're coming from Brussels, flying that route just wouldn't even cross my mind. I would only ever get a Eurostar. That's what we're doing. Excellent. Yay. Are you planning to come in on the day off or are you planning to go right after the Brussels show? I don't remember what I'm doing. <laughs> um, I don't know. Tanya, where are you? You've, she's got the injury. Tanya's been a, a, a godsend in doing the bookings. She sends me these things saying, we're going to do this. I'm like, yeah, brilliant. I'll give you the money. Fantastic. She's very organized. She's the most organized person you'll ever meet in your life. She's a godsend. And I could not do this tour without her. So hi. Tanya and thank you for existing because uh, you're my lifeline. Yay. Tell us about the tube. Tell us all about the underground. 
the the London Underground, we call it the Tube. Yeah, it's uh, it's brilliant. I mean, Londoners constantly complain about how awful our transport is, and then if you if you go anywhere out of London, <laughs> you're standing waiting an hour for a bus, or trains don't exist, or so with we've just got the, one of the best transport systems in the world. Yet it's just still not good enough for us as <laughs> Londoners because if it says it's due in one minute and it turns up in two minutes, we're like, what the hell is going on? This is a, a, atrocious. Where is my re- fun what, what is this awful, horrendous city i live in but we're just spoiled so the tube network is brilliant um uh, you'd need an, an, an oyster card you'd arrive and buy your your little plastic card that you top up like a prepayment card and then you can just tap in and out of the tube tap in and out of the buses and it's much much cheaper to do that than buy your pay-as-you-go paper tickets you'll save so so much money doing that so if you're in london for a few days as you are I might even have some spare Oyster cards, so you don't need to buy one. Um, I'll let me have a look for you. But if you get yourself an Oyster card, top that up, and then you can just come and go on the buses and tubes, and it's so, so easy. Wow. Is there like a day pass or like a week-long pass that, we sh- that you would recommend? It depends how much you're traveling. I wouldn't get a week pass or a pass for a few days. You can buy weekly Oyster cards, um, weekly travel cards. I wouldn't do it. I would just do the, the pay-as-you-go Oyster card. I think mm. would be the cheapest and most convenient thing if you're here for three, four days. Explain the difference between cabs and black cabs. A black cab will charge you a lot. They're registered and licensed, and I'd like to say that they're the safest way to get in in a cab. The black cabs are generally safe forms of transport, opposed to your unknown Uber driver, who once I got in in an Uber, and he hot-wired the engine to start the car. I'm like, should I really be in this? So I'm not saying that that's uh, standard. I'm saying that if you get in a black cab, he's probably going to have a car key. So that's a good place to start. Um, the black cabs are great london cabbies and the conversations you have with them are fantastic they know every single inch of this city um and it's a joy to speak to these guys who know so much about what's going on but they are very very expensive like really ludicrously expensive and unless you have got to get somewhere imminently in a crisis situation (laughs) i would get on the tubes or walk i walk everywhere if you're in zone one, zone two, just walk everywhere or just mm-hmm. jump on the buses. The buses are so quick and simple to get on, as is the tube network. You just won't need to get taxis anywhere. And then in the Uber Lyft section of our notes, Holly writes, I have never gotten an Uber in my life. Well, no, I mean, I got the one that hot wired an engine and then subsequently never got one again <laughs> in my life. So that's just the life I lead is bloody ridiculous. And these things happen to Holly, as everyone that knows me knows. I know. So I'm sure you, most of you can safely get an Uber with a driver who has a key <laughs> and a license and eyes. But I just haven't had that experience yet. I hope our drivers have eyes. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone wants to take me in an Uber, just to prove that they uh, know how to, 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 to drive cars without having to hotwire the cars to, to start first, right. then great, let's do it. Okay, so we've talked about the National Theatre. Now, what are other things that we can do in London? I know that sounds silly, like what can't you do? But talk to us about the first, the big tourist traps, maybe like the things that we should see if we were to never go to London again, like what we'd want to walk away with, like the experiences, and then maybe some like secret things. Well, I've mentioned it a few times now, but it's because I really think it's just the most lovely part of London. Go to South Bank, you start at Waterloo and you see the big wheel. 
which is called the London Eye. So you can go on that um, the giant Ferris wheel. But it's worth doing. And so you start at Waterloo. That's where the, the big wheel is. And you see Big Ben and the Houses of Parliament. Then you walk down past the Royal Festival Hall. That's where Tori played one of the best shows of her life ever. So it's kind of like a little Tory tour. You start at Big Wheel, so you can all have a sing-song of Big Wheel, <laughs> then, then walk past her venue of 99, which is cool because they kind of have an open foyer and there's always something going on in there. They have free foyer exhibitions and sometimes they have free music and it's just a cool little place to hang out, really. And then you walk a little bit further down and you've got the National Theatre. So obviously you can swing in there and watch The Light Princess. Mm-hmm. Um, then you can walk a little bit further down still and you see where she filmed some of the Welcome to England video. The, I refuse to say the word visualette. <laughs> the pier, right? Yeah, yeah. The pier in her jumpsuit. Uh, so you... If you don't think I'm doing that, if you don't think I'm recreating that, what? Oh, no, you're recreating. You're getting in your star-spangled. Yeah. I will bring, I'll just bring a flag. I'll just wear a flag. <laughs> you stand there and do that. Yeah. So you can re- then recreate Welcome to England. And then if you walk down a little more, you've got the Tate Modern. So it's our main modern art gallery. It's free. Views there from St. Paul's Cathedral, Tower Bridge, London Bridge. Really beautiful parts of the river to look at. Walks down a little further still. You've got Burham Market where... Tori mentions that she goes and that's where her favourite restaurant is, her favourite coffee is, mm. down near Shakespeare's Globe Theatre. So really that stretch of the river, you know, you can really stretch it to be a tentative yeah. Tory tour, yeah. you know, from Big Wheel to her favourite coffee. Um, <laughs> it's definitely the the stretch of London that I'd recommend to anyone to, to walk down. It's mm-hmm. just so pretty and it's got cafes, bars and restaurants and it's on the river and it's just lovely. It's a really nice walk. On the other side of the river, you You've got Covent Garden, which is a old market square, but it's more little boutique stores and cafes. It's very, very touristy, but it's where our opera house is. And it's another vibrant, lovely part of London to see. I'd recommend all of our parks, Camden Market, Camden High Street. They look like a hellhole, stinking disgusting vomit lines dive but it really is when you can get past that selling point it really is known for its alternative culture it's rock bars it's uh, indie stores it's tattoo places it's really kind of a grungy divey place but when you really get your teeth stuck into Camden it's really cool and a great place to visit especially if you're not from London it's an experience but it's one worth having so we've spent the day doing our Tory tour from Big Wheel to Royal Festival Hall to the pier where we've walked in our American flags. We've taken a black cab to our Airbnb and realized we should have just taken the tube. Now where do we eat? Well, I mean, look, Britain's not known for its food. <laughs> <laughs> you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Because I ate what I thought was a chocolate muffin and it turned out that it was something called blood pudding. And I, I will oh, never. Oh, no. Yes, we don't want to eat Blood pudding. I mean, just blood pudding. What is that? I won't, as a vegetarian, now discuss blood pudding with you, (laughs) but um, I will not advocate that. (laughs) How could you Brits do this to me? I'm sorry, we're we're just a disgusting (laughs) country. Yeah, blood pudding, no. 
I mean, we like to eat toast and we love a sandwich. Mm -hmm. We love a meal deal. We love things in bread, bread pudding, sandwiches, yeah, breadsticks. We do, we're a fan of bread. Mm. Um, we have good pubs and good pub food is actually, is actually great. Good British pub food. You get kind of a standard menu and you can have your spotted dick and custard for pudding. And you can have uh, your roast chicken and bread sauce because we love bread or some fish and chips. But I think pub food or just a regular chain restaurant, your kind of pizza places and stuff like that, just reasonably priced, nice places. What is Spotted Dick? What is Spotted Dick? Now, I'm not really a dick connoisseur, but the last <laughs> time I tried it, it's like a wet sponge with raisins and currants it's just i'm sure it's nice for those <laughs> like sponge it's like a sponge cake usually served with custard <laughs> am i going to be able to find like pasties or pasties are they called like the pies now if you're coming to britain you'll discover two things that you can't live without one is a weatherspoons mm -hmm. and one is a greggs mm. so a greggs is where it, if it exists it will be sold to you in in hot wet like cheap pastry mm -hmm. in a greasy bag well, you know it's where you get your, your pasty or your sausage roll mm. or a steak bake or a vegetable bake or a chicken bake or a potato bake <laughs> and that's a greg's and it's cheap and it's disgusting but we all love it yes so you get your Greggs. That's what you need to do. You have a Greggs breakfast at a train station. You're going to get your one pound sausage roll in a greasy bag. <laughs> so you need to go. You need to look for where a Greggs is. It's like a, a staple part of British life. What are we doing after the show? If everything closes at eleven and the show presumably ends around eleven, what would you suggest people plan to do after the show if they didn't want to go to a bar, for example? Well, once we've discussed her mashup of pleather and chocolate song, which she might do in, in London, and we've survived that, I'll go into Soho. That's where the gay bars are, and I think that's where we need to go. I love that. So we're, we're quite a strange city because we're equally, actually, equally actually very friendly and, and lovely if you stop someone and want directions they're, you, you, they're going to help you most people are great but we are suspicious we are very suspicious of people approaching us that's interesting why is that what? i don't know we're strange there's two there, there's a lot of, of people in this city we're stressed out we're poor <laughs> you know we work long weeks and pay 90 percent of what we earn for ridiculous awful rent and we sit in crammed trains that dare to be one minute late we sit there seizing with anger every morning through our commute that takes two and a half hours to get to the other side oh, of the city and then God. six hours later we have to do it all the way back again six we hours your work day is six hours well my, yeah mine is it takes me two hours to get two two and a half hours to get there i work six hours then come back again so that's why we all we're all, well, that's why we don't want eye contact we're gonna stress I get it. I hear that. Out. But no, it's one of my favourite cities in the world. And it's not just because I've lived here my whole life. I genuinely, objectively love London because it has everything. Do you have any knowledge of COVID restrictions or any warnings for us going into London? I wouldn't want to say the wrong thing, to, to be honest, when it comes to COVID restrictions because they're changing so frequently. Right. 
Hello, present me here. According to gov.uk, there are currently no coronavirus restrictions in the UK. If you have COVID-19, you should try and stay at home. Most people cannot get free COVID-19 tests. You can buy tests in shops, but you cannot report the result to the NHS. You do not need to take a test or quarantine when you arrive in the UK, but you should check travel advice for the country you are going to. I think that, I think the UK at the moment have got quite lazy with mm-hmm. um with 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 covid um we're not really as good as we should be with upholding how strict we need to be with it um but by the time march comes around it's it's going to be a different world it's changed with with this side of winter um so to, to talk about what it could be like by the time we're at the shows in march it's going to be a completely different world with different rules mm-hmm. so uh what's what applies now it just won't yeah, apply it's then. really hard to predict for sure just be as safe and as clever as you can with it and if you can wear your mask and make sure you've got your vaccines and your boosters and just do everything right for, for yourself and others holly where can people find you online if they wanted to follow your adventures and hope to get your pin number <laughs> you with drinks well, I- <laughs> Well, my pin number's available six tequilas in. Um, <laughs> six top-shelf sco- tequilas. Top shelf. I mean, yeah, I mean, of the one top-shelf tequila, <laughs> and I'll escort you personally to the cash point. <laughs> Here you go. Have it. I don't even have anything to have. But hey, take my debt. It's fine. You take can have my, my pin number, but you're not getting my tour itinerary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can have my pin number, but there's no cash in my account. So right. we're good with that. <laughs> my Instagram is unrepentant nectarine. <laughs> which is brilliant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I also have um, uh, another Instagram, which is purely just the gigs I go to, which is gender nectarine. Oh, great. So unrepentant nectarine and gender nectarine are my two Instagrams. And uh, yeah, follow them. Follow Holly online to see the gigs and to see her life. And we'll, of course, we'll link to all of this stuff that we talked about in our show notes, songsatramus.com on the London page. Thank you so much for doing this, Holly. This was great. Thank you. It's been amazing. Bye. Bye.
Tour All Night is a production of the Sideways Society. For more information or links to things mentioned on the show, please visit us online at songsoftoryamus.com.